So today, James, is is April the first. We're now in April. Oh yeah, we are. Oh wait, um, oh I got, I, um, we're quitting the podcast. <laughs> got you. Yeah, this is it. This is the the last episode two four four. Got you all. <laughs> I have you ever done a successful April Fool's Day prank? Ever one come to mind? I've I've not had I've not done any April Fool's pranks that I'm particularly can, like still proud of. I'm not saying like I've done any that I'm embarrassed of, but I just never really tried too hard. The best prank I've ever done was in fact not on April Fools. Oh really? Um, it was a Valentine's Day prank the other day oh. for pranking people. Of course, do tell. Well, I was just a young lad, and somebody in my school had the the nickname Carrot. So on Valentine's Day, I just uh, in the anonymous. Um, drop a letter here to give to to declare you your secret admirer uh-huh. situation thing. I just dropped a carrot wrapped in golden foil in there, um, <laughs> un- unaddressed or anything. So the teacher had to pull out a golden carrot from the admirer box and be like, "I guess there's a golden carrot." Wow, <laughs> that's the only that was the only prank that I still remember to this day. And go, that's that excellent. Too bad. That was not too bad. Yeah, well done. I got a giggle. I'm pretty sure there's one that sticks in my mind. In that it was just it was terrible. In which I'm pretty sure I was actually at your house, maybe a, a teenager on on holiday for for Easter, right? And it was April Fool's Day, and I stole a, a, a tomato ketchup bottle from your cupboard, uh-huh. went outside, scooshed it all over my arms, and then was like, oh, oh wait, that just looks like ketchup. Let's try and make it look more like blood. <laughs> and so went to the outside tap. <laughs> Uh, attempted to add a little bit of water to the mixture and then started like spreading it up my arms, which was then getting on my t-shirt uh-huh. and then ran into the house being like, oh no, my, my arm. My ar- oh, I'm oh, Help no. somebody. Uh, and then everyone's like, J- just a complete lack of response, blank stares, people turning around be like, Colin, what are you doing this time? And I remember I could not get the smell of tomato ketchup no, off that me stuff sticks. for like a couple of days. It was horrendous. <laughs> but that's, I think that was one of the last times I ever actually attempted to do something because of just how badly that went. I like it. I think, I think there's a, there's a lot of room for pranks and I've like, I don't just do any big, I don't do a single big one on April Fool's, but I do believe in like, doing subtle things throughout the year just to try and mess with people a little. So I, I approve I approve of most things. One of my favorite things to do um, is just to get like five or six pictures of something relevant to a person that they kind of hate and then just okay. hide it around their abode. <laughs> and then they find the first one a few days later and they're like, what on earth? And they find the second one sometime later and they're like, what? And they never know it's me, hopefully. Unless well, you I mean, listen you, you to this now. You told them now. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the kind of subtle prank that just happens now and again is something that I know my dad does well with my mum and that she'll say something like, oh, no, Howard, Howard, you had the keys, didn't you? And he'll say, no. No. And my mum will just have this like half panic of, oh, wait, what? what? Yeah, yeah, and then just because he's a good, because he's a good guy, he breaks and he's just like, no, of course I've got the keys. <laughs> yeah, I can't hold a bit long enough to do any pranks. In person. I, I laugh right away. No, I can't hold it because I'm in fear of distressing the other person. Ah. You know, for example, the last few days we've been running assertiveness training. Yes. With a company. Uh, wait, wait, yes. Which, uh, tell you what, lots of role play. It's first time for everything. 
And that has been interesting because I've had to play this really angry customer. Right. And at the end of this five-minute diatribe, which I'm really patronizing and passive-aggressive, mm-hmm. I, I instantly, as soon as the clock is it runs down, I, I break character so hard and feel like I have to apologize for who I've been for the last five minutes. <laughs> I come out with some spiel like, oh, no, that's just, that's just a character. I'm really a nice guy, I promise. <laughs> because I can't. I feel really, really bad, even though the whole purpose of the training... Right, the guilt is overwhelmed. Yeah, right. even though the whole purpose of the training is to push these people to a certain limit. Right. And so I just, I blame my primary three Amdram experience. That's what's giving me the, mm, the, the, mm-hmm. the heft yeah. to really give my all to this character. You're just, you're so, you're so realistic. You have to so convincing. make sure that they know it wasn't real afterwards. I think my most elaborate prank was convincing people I was straight. For 20 plus years. Good prank, good prank. Some people are still holding on to it. Oh, they are. And for a rude awakening when I change my Facebook profile picture. It's funny, actually. I've had the same uh, profile picture. You don't have Facebook, uh, do you? I have Facebook. I'm just not often on it. Well, my, my profile picture has been my myself and my friend Bex for probably the last... I would say four, maybe five years. Yeah, yeah. The subtle, if people don't pay enough attention, they might not think it's just a friend's picture. Right, right. I mean, the awkwardness was when, and I'm sure she'd be okay with me sharing this, after the, the fire in 2017, it was maybe the day after I changed the picture to uh-huh. me and her. Yeah. And clear, and people started responding with like, oh, you guys are so cute. And I was like, this was not the purpose of this no. profile picture. You guys aren't getting this. <laughs> Instantly messaged one of them to say, oh, by the way, you might want to check the news and yes. delete the comment. Yes. But uh, no, so, so once I eventually do change, she's actually brought it up and said, Colin, you should really change that picture. It's very old. It, let's, yeah. let's get something else up there. So It's misleading at this point. <laughs> it's fine. If people want to know, they can either ask or they can listen to the show. Absolutely. I mention it enough. Absolutely. Okay, right. But just before we get into the show, there was one April Fool's prank I wanted to highlight. It's not in the running order. I just thought I'd tell you about it because I, I had to write about it. Okay. Volkswagen on Tuesday, the US uh, arm of, of this uh, German car giant put out a press release mm-hmm. which said, we're changing our name to Volts, Volkswagen, as in like a volt of electricity. Ah, they're going green. Because of their new focus on, on green energy. Bear in mind, this press release went out on Tuesday, which was the 30th. Tuesday, yeah. The 30th of March. I, I, that is not today. Yeah, that is not today. The, the press release was then swiftly deleted, but it was up there long enough to get people talking, including numerous journalists for Al Jazeera, BBC, Reuters, Associated Press. Oh, and no. they then followed up with Volkswagen to say, hey... Is this story true? And Volkswagen said, yes, it is. And then they sent out the proper press release later on Tuesday, still the 30th of March. They updated their social media platforms. They had fake quotes from their US boss. Sorry, legitimate quotes from the US boss. And then after about 12 hours, they said, ha 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 ha, April Fool's. (laughs) Everyone said, yeah, it's Tuesday, the 30th of March. What is wrong with you? I mean, I wish that's how it worked. I, like, I wish companies would prank us all, all year round. But no, the, um, the, but the problem with Volkswagen was that this was, first of all, two days before April 1st. And second of all, they're still recovering from the whole emissions scandal where they lied yeah, bit, to people <laughs> about their fuel usage. It certainly is a bit misplaced as an attempt at humour on their part. Oh, it was... Bad. But no, I think I think uh, all the companies should prank us. You know what? You know what Twitter should do? They should enact like a, some sort of a social democracy instead of like being a business. And that should be their funny <laughs> prank: is that they should uh, 
<laughs> they should change the entire system and uh, make social media platforms actually ran by social democracies instead of uh, yeah. individuals. That would be a hilarious prank. Today we're announcing we're taking accountability. Surprise! April 1st. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. I think all their businesses should follow throughout the rest of the year. We should be pranked one at a time as all these businesses start being accountable. Okay, well, talking of transparency and being called out in our lies, Seesaw Parade is here, episode 244. Wait. We're almost at the 250. We don't get called out when we lie. Well, exactly. Neither do we do the social media people. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Didn't really work. Let's try that I again. Got pranked. <laughs> you did. Pranked, bro. <laughs> Cease operate episode 244. I'm Colin and he's James. Yeah, I am pranked, Jim. Pranked, Jim. And uh, thank yeah. you all very, very much for listening. And for everyone who's got in touch, James, <laughs> this you is. You mean prank you all? Oh, man. What a goof. <laughs> sake. Right. Let's talk about people who've actually got in touch because it turns out people uh, actually do like this show and do uh, respond. Hey. So, first of all, just on the, the back of what we were discussing last week with bad uh, online grocery shopping substitutions, right. I have uh, three terrific examples from Murray, who used to be an Asda delivery driver. Oh, So here we go. Number one, family ordered Kit Kat biscuits and were given Kit E Cat cat food instead. <laughs> <laughs> Women at the door said to me, we don't even have a cat. Number two. Really grumpy women ordered Aunt Bessie's frozen roast potatoes cooked in goose fat. They didn't have that in stock, so she was given a bag of raw potatoes and a tub of goose fat. And a tub of goose fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, you know, easy peasy roasting myself. It's fine. Same, same e- thing, same thing. Exactly, yeah. And number three, which Murray says this one is definitely number one, a woman ordered tampons. They didn't have the one she wanted in stock, so they gave her plasters. <laughs> I beg your pardon? <laughs> Like of oh. all things, surely there's surely there's closer options for almost all of those. <laughs> You'd have thought so. Like I feel like at least with the kitty cat one, they could have given their cat treats and a bar of chocolate. <laughs> well, I don't know, but basically, Murray added this uh, at the very end. He said, "When I started, we used to have a whiteboard in the area where we picked up the orders. The drivers hijacked it and would write on it sub of the week, where we'd name and shame the best ah. slash slash worst." depending on your point of view from the pickers uh, from the previous seven days. Yeah. So the pickers are not the drivers. This is what I've learned. Uh, no, no. This is, I, I've, I've, I've never quite been 100% certain if I'm allowed to ridicule the substitutions to the driver or not. Well, we're actually still, uh, to, to move on, we're actually still adding listeners to Cease Operate even at this six-year mark. Wait, what? Because, James, I uh, I do tend to spam my own uh, Snapchat and Instagram with links and, and you know, telling people to listen. Oh, yeah. So Alex got in touch and he said, I gave Cease Operate a listen the other day. You're a good podcast host. Your transitions are very smooth and you come off oh. as very personable. Wow. Well done, you. I was like, that's so nice. Honestly, that was lovely. You are good. Well done, you specifically, Colin. What, what what I noticed about this, though, was that he didn't mention you at all. So clearly you just didn't make yeah. an impact. No, I'm not, I, can't, I can't say I'm too surprised by this. That's how I float through life. It's, it's generally an avoidance of trying to make an impact, because if I do make an impact, it's usually a negative one. So the best bet is to stop making any impact at all. That's my aim. Oh, I mean, I... I would say I was I was going for funny over an actual serious comment there, but <laughs> you know Alex, I actually know who he is. I don't think he he knows who you are unless you are also into wrestling and and gayness. Mm, no, no. <laughs> you, had to, you had to think about that one. Never, never really been one to partake in uh, in either um, sphere. 
um, actively. Okay, well, we've got WrestleMania coming up, so we will be reviewing, or rather, I will be reviewing that in about uh, right. 10 days' time. So look forward to that. How long does it take from start to finish? It's a six-hour show. Um, six-hour show? I could maybe... I can maybe force myself to sit uh, no, through no, no. WrestleMania. Absolutely do not. I would. It's only for the hardcore fans. Okay. We also had one more comment, which uh, actually links on really nicely uh, to the start of the show uh, from Elspeth, who said, when you inevitably discuss the latest popcorn moment in the Salmon v. Sturgeon saga, please tell me right. you will take the piss out of Salmon for not being able to pronounce the name of his own oh, new party. Man. We will now have weeks of the media getting it wrong because if the leader can't do it, why the hell should they be expected to either? I can't. Yeah, it is painful. So thank you, Elspeth. You have indeed uh, preempted the first topic of our of our discussion here. But if you would like to get in touch with the show about anything you uh, would like to discuss or bring up or critique, or later in the show anything you want to review, you can do at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or Seesaw Parade at gmail.com. Which makes me think, actually, James, did, did I ever share the outcome of my smorgasbord Nagalic job? No. I didn't get it. We don't have to delete the show, everybody. <laughs> the show can, can stay. Every episode is there. Until, indeed, I, I apply once again in a couple of years and uh-huh. maybe get it at that, that time. Did you get some feedback? I have emailed a woman three times for feedback and she's ignoring me, oh. so no. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Feedback's just a polite thing to do. I know. I mean, I'll might email her just now, actually, see if she gets back to me before the end of the show. <laughs> hey, can we do some live feedback for the podcast? Okay, James, we've got to start with Alex Salmond launching his new political party, the independence-focused <laughs> ALBA party, in his words. Yeah, the ALBA, the ALBA party. The ALBA party, which we'll get to in a second, is, uh, in his words, he's described this as a bid to build a supermajority for independence in the next yeah. Scottish Parliament. And this, of course, could then see him make his own return to Hollywood. Indeed, but he's just stolen that scheme from quite literally the SNP and the Greens, who are already talking about doing a coalition to get a supermajority. He's not even original. Right, let's let's save the political discussion for just a second. Let's talk about the name. Okay. Because I have been attempting to come up with an analogy for, for this all week, and I've really struggled, but let's just explain this. Alaba is how you say it. Yeah. It's not Alba. Yeah. That is the... The English pronunciation of a Gaelic word. And Scotland is the English name for Alaba. Yeah. I, again, I've been struggling to come up with a, a an example for this or an analogy, but basically he's getting the name of his own party wrong. We've kind of had, had an analogy in the show recently where we discussed naming things okay. as though they are in their original language. From different countries. Or doing it in English. Right. And I was like, just do it in English. And now I actually feel the pain of somebody who is <laughs> on the receiving end of it. And I'm like, oh, maybe maybe if it's your own country, you should try, <laughs> try a little harder. So we're sitting here with a guy who's trying to claim to be holding on to an, a Scottish identity and, and trying to fake it by naming his party after, well, using an original language that the Scots still speak in some places, and he can't even pronounce his party correctly. And it seems like everybody who's joining the party and himself are all from areas of Scotland that don't really have deep ties to Gaelic. So it's very strange right, that they've tried to tie themselves to Gaelic but seem to be targeting seats in non-Gaelic areas. But it's also the fact that 
yeah, you, you chose a Gaelic word, and then you're not even attempting to say it properly. Yeah, and it just enables all of the British media to be lazy and do the same thing. And we're not like we're not asking you to sound like a crofter when you say it. No, it's 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 just let's get away from the alba. Yeah, you can listen to the way they say it on the literal ch- news channel. <laughs> Or the literal TV channel that, that says the word quite regularly. You can just listen to it a couple of times and go, wait, there is more of the syllables um, when you say it properly. Right. Okay, so let's talk about the political implications then. First of all, the, the fact that under this uh, banner of we're here to help win a super majority mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the SNP and the Greens kind of already having that. Yeah, they are, But yeah. also the fact that this is Alex Salmon's return. He is back or he's attempting to yeah, come back. while still employed by... The Russian government. He still has his, Ru- his Russia Today show, yes. It's a bit, a bit dodgy, <laughs> just saying. So, so what do you make of all this in terms of the, the implications for... Uh, let's start with let's start with the SNP, because, uh, yeah, the, the idea that they were going to welcome this with open arms is, is folly, and, and they've said as much. Yeah, they were hoping to push for the both votes SNP tactic again, and if not that, vote Green for reasons of supermajority. If they can get a second party in that is pro-independence, of course, um, Westminster is going to have a harder time saying it's just a one-party system up here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure a third party is going to help them at all. If anything, it's going to split the second party vote and therefore the SNP are not too keen on this. They were hoping to gain a few more list seats this year uh, than they did in the previous one where they lost most of their list seats um, due to the not getting all those second um, votes. Um Overall, I don't really expect it to make much of a difference. I think the SNP will get a similar number of seats that they would have whether or not the Alaba party existed. Okay. Um, and the Greens might get a similar number of seats. Um, I don't really see where it competes because they're, the people they're getting in to the party are kind of right-leaning. They're the old, they're the old school SNP old school. folks. They are. Who might have some loyal fanatical fans who might have some less loyal people who are interested in them and they might get some of those votes but i don't think they're going to resonate with the uh, grassroots movement for independence or the now more centrist smp voter base and or anything like that to cause any actual harm okay and so we might actually just see some people instead of voting labor vote vote for whoever or instead of voting tory vote for them as some form of like ultimate uh, attack against the SNP because people think this is a vindictive move against Nicola and Co. But the way they've had the way they're pushing out their candidates shows that it probably isn't because they can't really compete with the SNP anywhere that they are yeah. sitting because it's list seats. So, so, so just to add to this, the Greens have dismissed this new political venture as being thrown together at the last minute by a man who's less popular in Scotland than Boris Johnson, which is a fair assessment. He is. He's got a very low approval rating. You've also had. Two, as you mentioned, there are two SNP politicians who have defected. The first one being Kenny McCaskill, the former Justice Secretary, and the second one being yeah. Neil Hanvey, who had previously been suspended by the SNP for anti-Semitic language that he was uh, using on social media. Yes. So I believe, I want to say four sort of names in total, a couple uh, of them being councillors, or, or figures in local council certainly, have defected to this Alaba party. And what I expect to happen, and I'm sure Salmond will be 
Is he standing? Uh, he must be. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he's he's gonna he's aiming to be on whatever list seems the most safe right. for getting a seat. What I see happening is that the vast majority uh, the vast majority of them will lose their deposits, which means they get less than five hundred votes. But you will have at least I would say a couple, Salmond included, who I would say have a decent chance yeah. of being elected because of this list system. If they were standing yeah, it's a fair system. If they were standing in the seats, then no, no chance. Absolutely no chance. So from a political point of view, this is Begrudgingly, the best way they could have played it because Absolutely, it yeah. gives them a chance of actually getting to Holyrood. I mean, maybe a slightly better way to have played it would have been to announce it sooner and to have a successful announcement um, thing <laughs> event. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so for anyone who missed it, this was a YouTube stream in which, of course, they were butchering the name from start to finish, but also the people who were zooming to answer questions were entirely muted from start to finish. There were technical hitches, there were gaps in the audio, there were parts where Alex Salmon was just menacingly staring down the camera. It was a mess. He knows how to stare, at least. He's showing uh, fortitude. <laughs> he does. He wasn't, like, sitting down to, to wipe his brow or anything like that after an exhausting session in the in the lights. Like, good, good on him. He made it through. But before we move on to briefly discuss the first uh, leaders' debates ahead of these uh, elections, which take place in early May, let me ask about the, the decision that you believe is behind Salmon returning to the mm. to the political arena. Because to me, the way that he took that announcement of our, you know, welcome to the Alaba party. It was almost like, let's pretend the last 18 months never happened. Yeah. There was barely a mention of the turbulence that uh, has been uh, following him around for the last however many years. And instead it was just a, hey, everyone, I'm back. And here's my cool new party with old white men. And that was it. There was there was nary a mention of uh, Nicola Sturgeon or any sort of yeah. animosity. So uh, to me, it felt almost like he he saw this as an opportunity because his name has been in the headlines because he's now been cleared as a way to muscle his way back into Scottish politics, which is is a better place without him. Yeah, it's I think the overall reasoning behind why he's done this will become apparent as we discover like who's funded it as we discover right. his kind of platform beyond just pushing for independence and uh, what kind of a vote he's getting i i for sure see a gap in the in the market for for uh, scottish votes and that is definitely for a more hardline nationalist leaning independence voters who he may be trying to grab up um and those same people who are a bit more fanatical about things uh, are more keen to, you know, give money to parties and to figureheads and to a populist movement. So I think he's aiming for a little bit of a, a populism thing um, to get some permanent backing behind his character as a form of a representation of a very patriotic, um, mostly nationalist uh, independence movement and it, that's just a feeling um, it might be completely uh debunked over the coming months okay um, I, one one of my questions that i'm that i'm keeping a keeping an, an eye out for an answer to is whether or not he aims to get a trump endorsement i i seriously doubt it you do, i don't know they, they like they have 
old connections. He never, he never really came out against the dude too hard at any point. Well, no, the... he never came out against him, but they had the the whole thing with the wind turbines in his his estates in Aberdeen. And I know they were pals at the start, but I'm pretty confident they were as far apart from that as they possibly could. They were, yeah, they were pretty far apart at the end. But you know, people like public image and money and whatnot. So I think there's a potential there for an attempt at a rejuvenation and because uh, cause there are a lot of Trump supporters in the UK, okay. a lot of them in Scotland, and it would be a very good endorsement for whoever could get it um, if they wanted a pile of fanatics. Okay, well, let's uh, briefly move on. A lot to discuss. Uh, very quickly, let's talk about the first party leader debate. James, did you see any of this? I saw I saw bits and bobs. Okay. I, I kind of semi-focused on it. So this was uh, the first debate between Nicola Sturgeon, Douglas Ross from the Conservatives, Anna Sarwar from Labour, uh, the Willie Rennie, the Willie Rennie, of course. That, you've got to give him his full title. Absolutely. The Willie Rennie yeah, from man. the Lib Dems. Yes, the super and, important party. And Lorna Slater is the, uh, the co-leader of the Scottish Greens. So, James, any impressions from this? I saw a, a brief amount of highlights, and it was basically what I expected, which was everyone who was pro-union said, hey, we, we can't have an, a referendum, and Nicola Sturgeon and uh, Lorna Slater saying, well, maybe. And that yeah. was the end. Well, not even maybe. Their message is that a referendum and a movement to independence is the key way to recover from COVID. And that's a fine message. It's got some standing, but yep. also a message that has standing is saying, no, currently just leave the UK as it is, as we do COVID recovery. Both are both are logically reasonably sound. And uh, one of the big surprises for me was how like tired out Nicola was. Sturgeon, Sturgeon seemed sleepy. She didn't really <laughs> seem to be forceful with her answers. She didn't come across right. as very proud of the SNP's legitimate achievements over the years. So being uh, the, the leading party for so long means that they're an easy target having broken a lot of promises as is inevitable in government. Her job is to say, yes, we missed all those targets, but look at the ones we hit. And she kind of just went... Yeah, we missed those targets. Right. And she didn't do the look at the ones we hit thing, which the SNP have been pushing out quite strongly recently. And they have. They've hit a lot of targets in Scotland. I was surprised that the Greens didn't send the big speaker, Harvey himself. Um, but I think it's good on them to try and give a bit of public image to more people than one in the party. Yeah, I mean, she is co-leader. She is co-leader after all. And she she was all right in the in the second half. She woke up when it came time to talk about in, like environment uh-huh. and independence and stuff like that. Um, Ross was an embarrassment, but that's to be expected. We've we've discussed Tories and self-embarrassment before. Indeed. <laughs> um, I think it was especially embarrassing. It was a wee bit of a surprise how 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 embarrassing a performance it was. Right. Let, let me ask just about Anna Sarwar because he's the the new kid on the block. In that he he's been around Scottish politics for a long time. Is a good talker, but I believe is still finding his feet at the moment. He is he's taken. Certain decisions, he's certainly not aligning himself with the Tories. Yeah. And he's certainly not aligning himself with the SNP. So yeah. it, it seems to to me that he's taken more of a, a forthright stance than his predecessor, Richard Leonard. So that has to be encouraging. Yeah, he's got more substance than Leonard. And I it's good when all the parties have, have substance. Okay. Uh, that, that leads to good discussion. However, the, him and the Scottish Labour in general, I don't think they stand for anything. I can't really think about anything they actually stand for. Yeah. Um, they stand against a lot of stuff, which is valid. But I think it's important to also have 
um, some ideas to pin yourself to and to push for. And I don't get the feeling they have those. They kind of say a few, like, oh, we like the environment, we want to improve the environment. Yeah, it's like, great. But you got to be more forceful with your ideas. So he came across very well in a debate platform where we could just like belittle people and point out everybody else's flaws. But I don't think he was asked to explore his own ideas or those of the Labour Party in very much depth. And if he was, I expect it wouldn't have gone down so well. Okay, right, let's move on. Uh, One more issue before we take a step towards lighter news. This is the release of a government commission report, which apparently (laughs) found... I love that we didn't even talk about the Lib Devs. (laughs) No, (laughs) Willie Rennie was there. Okay, so this is a release of a government commission report which found that apparently the UK no longer has a system rigged against minorities. Uh, As you can imagine, this was received very badly. Uh, Numerous groups coming forward to uh, accuse the reportees of ignoring the concerns of black and ethnic minority people. We also had the Race Equality Foundation, Jabir Butt, who's the chief executive, who said, the report goes out of its way to deny that there's anything that's been the result of policies put in place, and instead blames individuals yeah. or families. Yeah. And the GMB's uh, national officer, Rahina Azam, said it felt like a deeply cynical report, accused it of being it, uh, of being completely irresponsible and immoral, and ignored the concerns of, of various people. So, so James, this is a, a 258-page report. I don't expect you to have to have read no. all of it. No. Maybe not even some of it. A wee bit. But this is, I would say... The, the expected conclusion when I saw that this uh, report was being commissioned. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, yeah. Having already had in the last few years three or four other reports into similar things that were all coming out to say like, hey, actually racism is a bit of a problem. It wasn't a surprise when Boris and his pals commissioned a new report with a slightly new direction to try and prove that all those other ones were a bit wrong and that in fact the government doesn't need to change anything. I wouldn't call the report a victory for the Tories, though. And I think Labour can do a lot with it. And I think any party can do a lot with it. Yeah. Um, and we are we are being a bit blind to that. Well, I can elaborate if you, if you, if you want. There were a, well, I'll ask you two in a second. There were a couple more responses. Uh, Black Lives Matter UK tweeted that it was disappointed that the report had overlooked disproportionality yeah. in the criminal justice system. And this is uh, related to the fact that black people in England and Wales are nine times more likely to be imprisoned than if you're white. And it's things like that that the uh, a lot of responses are are including the fact that certain aspects of society or, or life in Britain were overlooked yeah. by this report. Yeah, it's almost like they were specif- specifically looking at the aspects of life in Britain that are less likely to be racially biased at the moment. Right. And we're focusing on those for the report and ignoring others. Because I've seen on Twitter and, and a bunch of other platforms threads and threads of people sharing statistics that were not addressed in the report yep. uh, along the lines of employment in um, public services, along the lines of um, criminal justice and all the rest, where where previous reports have said there are clear um, uh, concerns for racial equality. So, so what do you think? I know you've said that this is an opportunity for some of the other political yes. parties. I don't believe for a second that any of them will actually make anything of it. 
But no. But what's the what is the fallout or the results of this? I know Boris Johnson has said that he will uh, take on board the the lessons or the <laughs> um, recommendations made, yeah. and will continue to to build a Britain a fairer Britain. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. to to the likes of uh, David Lammy, who was also in the the news this week for a excruciating phone call on LBC. Oh, yeah, that was that awful. he dealt with uh, a caller who told him that he was not English, yeah, because he was uh, African Caribbean. Yes. which is horrendous. It was all over Twitter. You may have seen it. Yeah, he responded to say that his, uh, or rather, Britain's black community was tired of being gaslighted, and this endless debate about whether structural racism exists with little desire to do anything about it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I've got three, I'll try to keep them succinct, three overall thoughts okay. that are most important, so I'll share those. I can talk about it any more at length uh, off the podcast, of course. Let's hear them. Um, first point, um, I, I think it's a bit short-sighted, it's a bit deliberately short-sighted of the report to suggest that because the systems or the laws or the regulations are designed not to have racial bias, that there exists no racial bias. It is completely forgetting that people's um, own opinions and own subjective like thoughts and beliefs impact the way they um, apply laws and regulations. So if there's a regulation for hiring new people and it says, don't be racist, if somebody racist is in charge of hiring it, they'll go, I'm going to be a bit racist. And therefore, the system has racism, even if it wasn't written into the system. Yeah. Um, so while there still exists these racist beliefs that, for example, um, Caribbean people can't be English, that might impact um, systems, even if those same systems are designed not to have any, any such thing. Uh, the second point uh, would be that the report at no point suggested that there was no systemic racism in the UK. What it suggested was that other things are more significant to inequalities than systemic racism. A big part of that is because the majority of the poor people are poor white people. So surprise, right. uh, <laughs> when you balance the statistics, poor white people are are going to kind of weigh the system to show that, hey, there are other reasons for poverty aside from race. Wow, I'm amazed at this. Um, if you if you want a quick look at why at the report mm-hmm. uh, admitting that there is uh, some forms of racism and inequality, just look at the recommendations they've got and see how many of them are based around ethnicity rather than just like social um, hierarchy or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and people, the newspapers and a bunch of other people of note are trying to say that the report is 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 saying the UK is free from racism when the report doesn't say that at all. Yeah. Uh, the third point is that the, the the results of the support actually just improve calls for a better system and a fairer system. The, the report, when it says, hey, race is a problem and then there are bigger problems, just means that we need to redistribute harder. It just means that we need to tr- fight for fairness even harder. This report gives so much uh, of a foundation to a labor movement and to an equalities movement far more than it would have done if it just said, hey, by the way, racism is actually the only problem in the UK and all the poor white kids, that's their fault. Right, 
Right, James, we're saving some chat about the Suez Canal saga and uh, other news items for after we visit the world of entertainment and talk about what we've been watching this weekend. Oh my goodness, we have a trailer for The Suicide Squad. Can't believe it. Gosh, okay, we'll get to that in just a second. James, I have watched a couple of movies which I've seen before, so I will keep my reviews short. Uh, I'm going to start with Widows, which is the Steve McQueen heist thriller from 2018. It is on Amazon Prime. He, of course, was the director behind 12 Years a Slave, Mm -hmm. Shame, and Hunger. Mm -hmm. So this is very much something very different to those movies. But my goodness, if you're in for a good time or you're in for a a thriller which actually has brains, Widows is the one for you. It's got uh, Viola Davis, Cynthia Erivo... Colin Farrell, Robert Duvall, Liam Neeson. It's just a who's who of uh, big names in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And it's a a very well-told, exceptionally well-acted story. Viola Davis, I believe, got a a BAFTA or a Golden Globe for this. And it's it's the kind of film which it does... It it treats the movie like it's a a really high-caliber, almost Oscar-worthy movie instead of just the stereotypical point-and-shoot where's the action sequences kind of kind of genre movie it could have been it's it's smart it thinks about what it's doing it it considers the conversations it thinks about the way it shoots certain scenes i remember uh, reviewing this when i first saw it and there's a scene for example which really strikes me in which they have an entire conversation which lasts for maybe two and a half minutes in the inside of a car but for the entire time the camera is on the hood or the bonnet, I should say, off the car as it drives from from one part of Chicago, mm-hmm. the poor part, to the rich part. And the whole time you're just listening into this conversation mm-hmm. and looking at the surroundings. It's really interestingly shot. It's uh, It really is a, a fantastically well-done heist movie. So if you're looking for something fun, Widows is right. where it's at. Sounds amazing. Okay, second movie before I hand over to you, Call Me By Your Name, ah, yeah. which is yeah. uh, the, the classic... 2017 or maybe 2018 movie as well it did i want to say four i got four oscar nominations at the time it is a gay drama set in the 1980s in northern italy mm-hmm. uh, timothy chalamet chalamet is in the lead role <laughs> as elio and army hammer uh best known from the social network plays oliver who is an american student who comes over for the summer yeah it is I, I do think this film is phenomenal. I, I know it's it's partly because I understand of the, the very personal story it tells, but it's also the fact that it's so much more, it feels so much more real than a more conventional, uh, stereotypical kind of young adult romance. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is, this is, I want to say, more weighty because of the subject matter itself. But my goodness, if uh, if Elio's parents are as were as welcoming as as that in the 1980s and as accepting as that in the 1980s, then bravo, well done. Hmm. I know it's based off a book, but uh, yeah, yeah, but... love love those uh, open attitudes. Michael Stuhlbarg as um, as Timothy Chalamet's dad is so good in this movie. He's brilliant, very understated, and it's uh, it's a delight. I really really do enjoy it. Um, again, maybe not one to watch with your your mum and dad or your gran. <laughs> I mean, it depends on you. It depends on you the the nature of your family, I guess. There's there's quite an intense scene involving a peach, which uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> will just leave to your imagination. Well, actually, no, don't. But uh, oh, yeah, you can imagine I, I do. If you want. I don't judge. 
you can't, you can't be like, yeah, you do. Uh, it, it is a, a film which I know was divisive at the time, but I I do enjoy it a lot. I think it's uh, it's got a real place in in cinema. And uh, Timothy Chalamet has obviously gone on to do uh, bigger and better things. He's now front and centre of Dune, or June. June. Which is, of course, the giant movie which was meant to be hitting cinemas this summer, but... The giant movie. May, <laughs> may well hit uh, streaming services instead. Yeah. But yeah. James, what have you been watching? Um, I've finished an anime. Oh, hey, what's it called? It was the second season of The Promised Neverland. Now, that title might sound familiar because I gave The Promised Neverland Season 1 some very high praise. You did? Uh, previously. Uh, with its patient storytelling, its suspense, its sound design, its, uh, its excellent execution just in general, and everything that that season got right, Season 2 decided just to not do those things and oh, no. was really bad instead. <laughs> All right, so so why? What makes it so bad? Well, season one. If we compared season one's um, time timeline to season two, I would suggest that season two covered the same time span and about two episodes as the whole se- whole season one did. Okay. Um, I think season two did about five or six seasons worth of a decent show, uh, packed into episodes that were entire story arcs crushed into twenty minutes. Oh. Um. They forgot their foundation of their characters. They forgot how to design a, a space around sound well. They forgot how to be. They forgot how to be patient in any way and how to earn things. And almost every problem was solved by a, a, literally a magic pen. <laughs> okay. If only uh, life was that simple. If only life was as simple as the way that the kids who are the f- uh, main characters of this show solved their problems. <laughs> Everything was just, oh man, there's a huge big problem. And then the next episode, it was like, oh man, we've solved it, I guess. Really simply. Uh, We did it. There was no twist. There was no. Sorry, sorry. Can I I just ask? Oh, sorry, two questions. When you say problem that they're dealing with and a magic pen solved it, are we talking like serious car accidents or are we talking, oh, this person was really struggling with an exam and the magic pen helped them? Second question is the reason for this show going so downhill because there was a change behind the scenes? Was it, you know, new producers, execs? What do you think? I, like, for second question, I genuinely don't know. I didn't see any news about change up until the first episode was released people were still excited they, they didn't think that there was any reason to believe that the studio would mess it up maybe the studio just didn't want to green light all the seasons it would have need, needed to actually complete well and they just decided to rush something out to squeeze a little bit extra money and then discard the show um as for the magic pen no the magic pen's more like hey we need to find out where the solution to our problems is and then the pen's like Here's the solution to your problem. It's over, and then it projects a map, and then they find it, or see. There's they need they need to, to anything that they needed was always just like they put a pen into the wall, or they push a button on the pen, <laughs> or they magically interact with a hologram that the pen produces and stuff like that. Oh, it was yucky. Oh. and the first season, the first season barely engaged with like anything of that nature. No, like magical technology was saving their lives. Okay. Um. It was just very cheap. I've n- I haven't in a long time seen a show decline so rapidly <laughs> between seasons. Wow! Not even Game of Thrones did it this fast because wow. Game of Thrones wow. took seasons five through eight to become as bad as this show <laughs> took to 
in one season. That is I, like, I'm, I'm actually, I was, I was almost speechless, and I wanted to say this. This show was, the second season was so much worse than season one that I would describe myself as speechless purely based off the re- the the language that 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 you use. But I'm clearly I'm not speechless because I could rant about how bad this show was for days and have been doing for the last few minutes. Okay, well that is a strong, uh, not recommended. There Just from watch season one, hundred percent. Season one's still worth it. Do not even watch episode one of season two. The show is fine where it leaves off in season one. Okay, well, let's move on and talk about things which, again, you may not want to watch. It's the Suicide Squad. Whoa. It's trailer. The first trailer of this reboot slash sequel is out. Let's have a listen. Any questions? And? Yes, that is your hand. Very good. We're all going to die. I hope so. Oh, fuck. Here's the deal. We fail the mission. You die. If we find out any information you give us is false, you die. If we find out you have personalized license plates, you die. What? No. If you cough without covering your mouth. Harley, although that isn't an open invitation for you to cough without covering your mouth. Okay, James, this is the movie we've been talking about for a few years at this point. Yeah. It's finally arrived. It's uh, directed by James Gunn, who's best known as the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And this cast, as you see by the final slide, where it lists about 30 different actors, is enormous. Just yeah, well, yeah, yeah, half of them are going to die in the first 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah. Let me ask, what did you think of this trailer? This, this, they've, they've, they've won my heart. Really? Yeah, I actually believe in this film. That is a, now, a sea change. It's very questionable because the previous film also had a good trailer and then a very bad trailer and then a very bad film. So they might do a very bad trailer after this pretty good trailer and then have a bad film. I do think I don't need to see the film, though. I think this trailer did tell me the entirety of the plot. It showed me who lives and who dies. Um, It showed me which of the heroes are are heroes, which of the anti-heroes are going to be discarded right away. Pretty plainly, everything was very on the nose. However... The sheer campiness, the sheer lack of a care of trying to be gritty is what won me over. They didn't okay. try to be serious this time. That's that's a fair point, one I, I was yet to consider. Because to me, I watched this trailer and thought, okay, you've shown me everything. I can tell by the list of uh, actors you've got who's making it through this. Yeah, Namely, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie... And John Cena, because they now shot a TV show with John Cena's character. Indeed, and, and it's it, not a prequel, because he's in the team that doesn't die at the start. And even the likes of Joel Kinnaman, who plays Rick Flagg, Viola Davis, and uh, Jai Courtney, I, I would fully expect them all to make it through for Wait, what the, the Suicide Squad. Is Jai Courtney a boomerang? He's boomerang, yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be, uh, we think he's dead for almost the whole film, and then he appears at the end again. Okay. That's my prediction that's, for his character. That's your bold prediction. The, the thing yeah. with this trailer is... Because boomerangs always come back. <laughs> the thing with this trailer, thanks James, is that, okay, it breaks the rules of showing us everything. There's a giant starfish at the end, because of course there is. Yeah. And as you say, oh, that's hilarious. It's, it's embracing its campy side. It's not trying to be serious anymore. Yeah. Even Joel Kinnaman's character is completely different. Right, even the fact that, as you say, yeah, someone like Joel Kinnaman, who, and a lot of these characters were in the first one, Mm -hmm. even though this is meant to be a reboot, I'm not really sure how they're going to explain that, but the way that this is shot, so for example, there's a couple of scenes, even in this trailer, where you have a camera cut, where it's, let's say, it's it's filming Viola Davis's face, and then there's like a jump zoom, 
You know, it's it's that they, they do it in the office all the time, mm-hmm. where you're like w- filming a character, and then it just suddenly they've zoomed in times times four. Yeah, that's that's a very specific filming technique. It's not. It doesn't tend to be one that you find in films which take itself seriously. It's not blockbuster Hollywood stuff, yeah. And then when you have a character who's an actual shark who or <laughs> doesn't speak English or or can't speak English, yeah, it's just I uh, some like some yeah, of this. But he hold also on, tore a person in two. He did some of the film, some of the trailer. I thought, okay, that looks fun, yeah. and then the rest of it, I thought, why on earth should I watch this film? Yes, because my goodness. It just did not inspire me to any sort of, uh, give me any sort of confidence that this is actually going to be any sort of good. The only thing that I hold in, in uh, have reserved is that this is James Gunn. And I do yeah. think James Gunn is very talented. Mm-hmm. So he may well yeah. make this a, a glorious B movie. Yeah, he is a talented leader and he's got a talented cast. Um, I, I, I don't think a lot of the jokes are funny. I don't think I'm going to be laughing at the jokes. <laughs> yep. But overall, like this 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 looks like it's actually going to be something I will be able to enjoy, unlike the previous Suicide Squad, which even if you try to not care about it and just think this is bad and it's good, it's, it hasn't quite reached that level. It's just a shame. Right. I've got two, two stories I still want to talk about. The first one is uh, something that broke last night. Netflix is paying $450 million for the rights to the Knives Out sequels. So this was the mm-hmm. Who Done It, which uh, Daniel Craig was the star off as Benoit Blanc with a lovely southern accent and uh, filling out the rest of the cast. Again, just a bunch of A-listers. Uh, Ryan Johnson directed it. It was very well received. It's one of my favourite movies over the last few years. Yeah. However, it didn't do... I did a lot. I think I got maybe three hundred million on a fifty million budget. It did well, yeah, which is okay, but it's not like it brought in a billion. Yes, and yet here are Netflix splashing half a bill on the sequels, which are yet to yeah, be written. Two sequels, two sequels, so. absolutely. Knives Out two and Knives Out three. Yeah, although number two has been teased like a year ago. I think they started working on it on a script at least that long ago. Right, so so Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig will both be coming back for this and I'm sure we'll earn hefty paychecks. Yeah. What do you think, I have a, a theory here, what do you think is behind this decision to spend this much money on something which was, yes, very well received, but it hardly set the box office alight? Well, it's the fact that Johnson owns the characters, right? So therefore, it makes it easy to put to put out a decent script to a whole bunch of studios and say, you guys are bidding against each other. So I expect it wasn't just Netflix that were interested in this, but he was playing a bunch of people yep. off of each other. And that's where we got to this slightly big number, um, which is just well played on his part. Netflix will be keen because if the, if these two go down well, they're, they're so easy to watch. The style of them and... Yep. Um, the, the 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 genre is such an easy watch that they could do they could do dozens of these and ter- uh, for for all they care and hope hope that nobody ever gets bored of them. Um, I, I would I would say that once you start yeah turning out endless sequels and I would say the Fast and Furious franchise is a reflection of this. The quality goes down because you have to push it further every it, single time. Kind of depends. I think with like murder mystery stories it's different it's a different universe because you, you look at back and you got like t- like tv shows that were basically films that ran for for dozens of episodes so hour-long mysteries and people love those characters start to okay. finish i think that when it isn't something that's like save the world 
save the solar system, save the universe at kind of escalation. But every time it's just like, here's a problem, find a way to solve it. It's a bit easier to just watch the next one and not care if it's not right. a bigger deal. But but you would have said the same about the Fast and Furious franchise when in the first one they're just having a quarter mile race and now they're yeah, could, yeah. on the top floor of the Burj Khalifa crashing a car off of that building onto another skyscraper. Indeed. Yeah, that's that's a that's a different way of playing it. And yeah, they could go down the route where Benoit becomes a, a John Wick and then he becomes a superhero, you know. They could, they could do that. But okay. I expect they might just keep making a little subtle reference to Poirot and all the rest. Right. Well, time time is disappearing, so let me just quickly summarise my thoughts. I believe Netflix have seen the fact that the likes of Apple TV and more recently HBO Max have been getting the rights or buying a bunch of these upcoming movies Mm. solely for their platforms. So HBO Max, for example, has Wonder Woman 1984, which has been streaming since the end of the year, and you can buy it for 20 quid on Amazon. And, uh, you know, Godzilla vs. Kong, that's also HBO Max. And so Netflix has been well-received. It has. I'm actually interested to see uh, (laughs) how that goes when I do eventually see it. Now, I believe Netflix has seen all this and figured right, we need to have something that we can claim as our own because there's only so much of a market for taking movies that are a few years old and saying, hey, now you can watch Shrek Forever After on Netflix. It came out several years ago. Yeah, that's a part of it, yeah. Or here's here's John Wick 3, which, okay, great that we can watch it on Netflix, but it's not yours. Oh, man, there's John Wick news. Let's circle back to that after. Whereas with this, it's something that Netflix, Netflix can say... Netflix presents Knives Out Two, yeah, and it's their and it's theirs. So that's what I believe is behind this. I mean, but they've done that a lot already. It's just this, that's a continuation. They've they've no, been, they've, they've, they've they've done it with with starting a lot of their own things. So the Oscar winners that ah, we've seen in right. recent years, so they like, haven't ever picked up something like this. Correct. Ah. So so in recent years, the likes of Roma, which was a Netflix production, Mank which was something that they brought in. They've done Netflix originals, but they've not really... Whereas this, they've said, hey, this is a, a, an already established franchise with characters that people like and something which is does have an audience. Yeah. Let's buy it and make more. Yeah. So that's, what, that's where I feel this is coming from. And I, think, I think it's a good move. It's a very flexible and very basic package. Okay, you said John Wick News. What is it? Um, they've, they've booted the director, the showrunner. They've they? booted someone key. Oh, why? Yeah, um, I, I guess because they wanted to to make it cheaper. Um, they get rid of the guy who made it successful and then put in a couple of <laughs> studio shills. Um, but it is a, that's not cool. Yeah, they, I can't remember exactly the the gig or the or who it was, but yeah, they've they've they've, they've there has been a little trouble in the universe of John Wick. <laughs> okay, um, and it's not the good kind of trouble. If you, dear listener, have watched or finished a TV show or a movie or something you would like to review, of course you can send it to us. We will play it, as we have done uh, many times over the last few weeks, ceaseoperate at gmail.com. One more piece of news before we uh, hit hit some of the bigger headlines of the week. Uh, Jessica Walter, who is the uh, actress best known for her role as Lucille Bluth in Arrested Development, has died aged 80. Yeah. So uh, I, I spent the, the few hours after I heard about her news uh, watching some of her best scenes. And my goodness, she was brilliant. She was. She was brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely one of the one of the comedic greats. Her delivery on so many different things is uh, is astounding. 
and she will be missed. And there's a plenty of shows that will be struggling to find a way to fill in the void that she's left behind. Right, James, time is gone, so let's quickly hit some of the other stories in the news this week. Let's talk about the Suez Canal, because traffic has resumed yeah. uh, after a stranded container ship, which was blocking it for nearly a week, was finally freed yeah. by salvage crews. Yes, we, we didn't talk about it last time. We didn't, no. So this was the 1,300-foot-long Ever Given which was uh, initially stuck after encountering strong winds and uh, uh, sand, I think, uh, managed to get itself stuck and then eventually was dislodged after six days by a bunch of tugboats. Hundreds of ships were waiting to pass through one of the busiest uh, yeah. trade routes in the world. Yeah. And uh, it was estimated that this was costing the global economy something like $9 billion a day. So, yeah, uh, I don't know who was getting that $9 billion, but <laughs> that planet is wealthy now. I mean, well done to the salvage teams. It is a, a 200,000 ton ship. Yeah, big achievement. Which is, uh, yeah, very well done. So, so James, yeah. this to me was the kind of thing where the, the the main result was just a bunch of memes of that picture of like this tiny little digger versus the... Yeah, I know, the, that was adorable. The, the, the bow of this enormous ship. So, yeah. I mean, if we've got that from, from this story, then, you know... Well, hey. uh, yeah, the glorious memes is where it was at. I think we we I don't think anybody had the energy to care about the potential um, resulting economic collapse because COVID happened and the economy should have collapsed, but instead the uh, stock market kept bumping its way up. So I think we're all a bit cynical about it all, even more so than we were before. So we everybody's just enjoying the memes and well done to them. And okay, to continue the tradition, I think every single ship captain that is. Going through the Suez today has the chance to play the ultimate prank on the world and cost us all another several billion. <laughs> like, hey, everybody, guess what? It's April 1st. Let's do something hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> How long before we get the uh, Tom Hanks played adaptation of this oh, story? We better not. This is not a big enough event to need a Hanks. Nothing, nothing, nothing happened. A, a ship got stuck. Everybody waited and some people freed it. <laughs> Like maybe there was some drama, but I did not see a hint of it in the news. Um, guarantee, guarantee. Give it a couple of years, we'll have a Suez Canal story. There will, yeah, there will be. People are writing the scripts already. Okay, let's move on. The Met Police acted. <laughs> Tom Hanks will be the ship. Okay. Tom Hanks is Suez Canal. <laughs> okay, let's uh, move on. The Met Police acted appropriately at a vigil for Sarah Everard in South London this month. A police. Yeah. Uh, that's according yeah. to a police watchdog. Yeah, they marked their own homework. <laughs> they did. The force has come under intense criticism after scenes of women being handcuffed, grabbed and removed from the crowds of Clapham Common uh, were circulating on social media. A report said uh, that there was too little communication between the officers, but the response was measured. It's a strange one, that. It's like, hey, look, they didn't do it right, but they did it right. And the, yeah, they, they've actually called the media coverage a PR disaster, as opposed sure, to yeah. what they actually did. So, so James, just give me your thoughts on this. You, you mentioned marking their own just, homework. Yeah, That's right. certainly the impression I got. Most, most reports that we see and most investigations that we see from the police, government, all of these bodies who mark their own homework, you can only read into it 
uh, as far as seeing what they want you to believe. It's propaganda. Like, until there is independent investigations and unbiased investigations, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. Now, there was some over, over, uh, hyping of the situation across the UK because some protesters are violent, but yep. it, it's it's another situation where some protesters can be violent and the police can also be violent and both of those things can be true the police in the uk in uh, over several protests have shown their ability to not be violent as they did during a massive march against masks i don't think they they battened everybody over the back of their heads in that one um, so they've shown an ability to restrain themselves far better than they did and an ability to de-escalate far better than they did. And the police also lied when they said that some of their officers were going away with broken bones and then days later were saying, actually, there wasn't any broken bones. Uh, sorry about that little lie. Right. Uh, and and in protests since then, there has been even more police violence where the police are arresting people whose job it is to oversee protests. People, the police have been battering journalists and such things. It's not good. It's not good scenes. But I expect that investigations into those will also say that they acted appropriately. Right. I, I appreciate that from the police's perspective, what they want to be, uh, what they want to avoid doing is essentially continuing the pile-on. But there are certain aspects of this report which are factually incorrect. So this report says that the officers did their best to peacefully disperse the crowd. <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't. There's yeah. actual footage of you not doing that. Yeah, there's footage of, of crowds very much kneeling and doing nothing and then getting a bit battered. Right. Uh, and we discussed this in great length when it happened, so I believe that's enough. But uh, yeah, report by police... Says police were good. The end. Wow. Shock. Couple more stories. The uh, the trial in the death of George Floyd has uh, begun in the States. We've had a number of witnesses already uh, at the trial of Derek Chauvin, who's the police officer standing uh, trial for his killing. Uh, James, I suspect that this is going to roll on for a number of weeks. We've had uh, witnesses... Uh, appear the first couple of days and the the person who actually filmed the video the yeah. nine minute video yeah uh, and we've had uh, we've heard from the the defense team who whose argument is along the lines of George Floyd was probably going to die anyway without him kneeling on his neck yeah yeah some of the uh, some of the angle coming out from the defense seems to be pretty shockingly bad um and then some of the uh, the words that we're hearing from witnesses and stuff like that are just shocking in general and very well said, but really harrowing um, in the descriptions that we're seeing coming out from the event. And this is descriptions before the court. Uh, no exaggerations are allowed here. Yeah, uh, This should lead to something, whether that will be a thing that will kick off a uh, another set of protests or yep. uh, kick off a set of legitimate reforms we're yet to see but the defense doesn't doesn't seem to have the best standing so i'm i'm not i don't want to make any predictions but they don't seem to be doing a good job of making up a reason for what happened okay penultimate story greta thunberg 
has a statue now at uh, Winchester University. This £24,000 statue Mm -hmm. has uh, been branded a vanity project. The university has... Did she make it herself then? uh, No, the university did. They believe it's okay. the, the right. So they vainly made a statue to somebody else. Yeah. So so the university right. says it's the world's first life-sized sculpture of the inspirational uh, Swedish activist, and uh, a bunch of groups inside the uni say that uh, this fund the, the funds could have been much better spent. Now, James, this to me is bizarre because it is Greta Thunberg is I believe eighteen now. Uh huh. Yeah, she's eighteen. She now. has a statue. Yeah, she's not dead. She's not dead. She's a teenager. Yeah. She has a statue because she has mm-hmm. she has said things to politicians and she has spoken at the UN. Therefore, statue. I mean, uh, yeah. I uh, don't understand this decision. I mean, I don't I also don't care. It's what it's like a couple of couple of tens of thousands in a university. It's like pocket change to most of them. <laughs> they probably used it from budget that they couldn't spend on other Which things. Which is what they I said. Expect they didn't spend student money on Which it. Which is also what they said. Yeah, they probably they maybe even got grants for such things as like making statues and make and beautifying areas and things like that. Who knows? I, w- I really wouldn't call it a vanity project. Um, I, ge- I guess there's a potential that they're wanting to ally themselves to the goodwill that a lot of people have towards uh, Greta. Uh, but overall, people are complaining about a thing that really just doesn't matter. It's just a statue to a, to a, a relatively well-known um, person who's speaking out for uh, you know the longevity of Earth. I'm kind of for that. I like Earth being alive and 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 here. That is true. Do you think either of us have a chance of getting a statue? I hope not. Uh, either either in our lifetimes or after we're dead. No, no. I hope to never do anything um, that makes me be remembered for you know m- longer than I am significant. I mean, this podcast is going to be here forever, so you know, there's that. True, true. true. It's like an audio statue. Okay, we're, we're yeah, we are actually just doing a vanity project. <laughs> um. And that's where we're ending the show. Uncovered my MO. Yes, uh, this is the the end of the show. Although we did uh, miss out the fact that Scotland is now an opt-out donor country. Oh yeah, we've missed a few stories. Let's let's, let's touch on that. Okay, well, I mean, this is the one I wanted to talk about, which is the fact that if you want to uh, donate your organs, you can. (laughs) Just, you don't have to sign up to anything anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Scotland has, in my opinion, done the right thing. Yeah. made their organ donation program one that you have to opt out of rather than opt in. And by doing so, we will increase the number of uh, organs available for for people who desperately need them. And that's very good. Although my question is, if you do opt out of donating your organs, do you get an opt out card the same way as you can get a, a, an, an, a, or an organ donor card? Does it go on your license? I actually don't know how this is displayed. I actually carried that own, uh, organ donor card in my wallet for the best part of a decade, and it's a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great, but you know, I can chuck it now because you know they can just they can take all my stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Now, just we as can long as I'm dead, unburden ourselves from a couple of grams worth of like paper or plastic, depending <laughs> on what you've printed it on. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a good move. Talking of organs, the the news last week was also the fact that pollution is actually causing men's penises to be smaller. Yes. That is a a study from, I want to say, the University of Boston. Yes, pollution in general is causing uh, penises to be smaller and also um, to to, to, 
be defective. Because it'd be less fertile. But now it feels like I'm talking about soil. It's kind of it's kind of hard to pick which words to say. But overall, <laughs> I believe that people care about penises a lot more than they care about the longevity of Earth. That's a fair comment. This is a pretty good headline in terms of people might care a little bit harder about environmentalism if they're worried about penis. Yep. They should. They should. We, we shouldn't leave future generations in a world where they are automatically subjected to having... Um, deformed penises because of the environment and all the things that we've done wrong with it, you know? It's an, it's a legitimate concern. There's an episode title for you. Okay, James, anything else to discuss before we bring this this to a close? There, there's the very big story of a teacher in England who, who displayed an image of the Prophet Muhammad and then got fired and lost their job and protests have happened yep. and the, the, the massive amounts of turmoil surrounding, like, should we uh, bow down to religious fundamentalism of any of from any source um should people be able to enforce their beliefs and what is blasphemy onto people who are not of their faith and all of the surrounding discussions but it's it's a bit late in the show um and i i forgot that there was such a big topic to maybe come to at the end but it is a very significant thing um, and no religion, in my opinion, should be able to enforce people out with that religion to uphold their beliefs. That co- that covers everything, yeah. I believe. Okay, well, if you have any feelings or views or opinions on things we have discussed on the show, you can get in touch at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or seesawparade at gmail.com. And unlike other podcasts, we do not reward you for getting in touch. You just... You get a bit of validation, You get You get I talked guess. about it. We, we talk about you. <laughs> yeah, that small little hit of uh, serotonin or whatever drug gets <laughs> exactly. released. Dopamine, I don't even know. Oxytocin. <laughs> you can do that as well. Okay. Right, well, on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you, James. Yeah. We'll speak to you next week. Absolutely. Have a good Easter. You know what? I just read the news again. There's one more thing to discuss. Really? Yeah, policeman in the, uh, in the Met has been booted for being uh, a neo-Nazi. So it turns uh. out that there are literally racists in the system, and therefore the system <laughs> can be racist. And on that note, on that bombshell, good night. <laughs> or evening, or afternoon, or morning. <laughs>